Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumpy Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, the fight card we've all been waiting for, UFC 263, Vittori versus Idesanya. An absolute barn burner. And there are crazy other fights on this card. There's another title fight. There's Nate Diaz. There's all kinds of stuff that you're going to want to see. But of course, as you guys know, on this show, we're just going to be breaking down the prelim portion of that fight card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, why not break down the big fights up at the top? Why are we focused on the curtain jerkers? The answer is really simple. First of all, you probably already have a place you go for main card breakdowns. You probably also already have pretty strong feelings about Israel Adesanya. But you probably don't know a lot of these names on the early portion of the card. And and really, that's where money is to be won if you're playing daily fantasy sports, you're gambling, or hey, maybe you just want to win a pick'em contest. And speaking of pick'em contests, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Fanatics MMA. Fanatics MMA is the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists today. They've got fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hand while you make your picks. It is a one-stop shop best place to track your stuff and and let me tell you something i'm going to tell you about all kinds of other awesome features a little bit later on in the show but before you hear those other features i highly encourage you to download it wherever it is you download apps and listen in on later in the show because i'm going to give you that stuff but first before i give you any of that stuff i got to introduce my co-host joining me this week you might know him from hey the 800 times he's been on this show you might know him from his instagram channel ryan jarrell sports I'm, of course, talking about Ryan Jarrell. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, always a pleasure. All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. So Drew Dober had a three-fight winning streak. It was recently snapped by Islam Makachev back in March. Riddell, meanwhile, is on a three-fight winning streak, all in the UFC, 3-0 and total, coming off a win over Alex Da Silva back in September. So... This fight, to me, seems like it's going to be a banger. Uh, you know, like Brad Riddell, a guy who likes to go in and swing. Drew Dober, a guy who likes to go in and swing. Riddell, a little bit more of a polished kickboxer, right? He's got the 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 Muay Thai background. He's he's fought that kind of fight. Are we sure that Drew Dober is going to engage him in that kind of fight, or do you see Dober doing something different? You know, honestly, if I'm his coaching staff and he's smart, I would try and do something different because as much as I respect Drew Dober on the feet, I, I feel like trying to stand and trade with Brad Riddell is fighting right into what he does best. And I think he's a little bit better in that aspect. And that's saying a lot because I think Drew Dober is very good with his stand up. So it's going to be interesting. That's going to be, I feel like how this fight shakes out is, you know, is Drew Dober going to come out and I'm the alpha and we're going to fight the way I want to fight. Or is he going to be the smart mixed martial artist and, and try and mix things up and keep Brad Riddell guessing Uh, that's going to be really the telltale sign as to who wins this fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think that that's perfect analysis. Now, here's a follow-up question to that, though. If Drew Dober does come out and try to mix it up, do you feel that his game allows him to have success against Brad Riddell? If he does decide to wrestle or cage clinch or do something different, do you think he has that skill set to give Riddell serious trouble in any of those ways? 
Potentially. Look, I mean, I like Drew Dober. I, I think he is I think he's super legit. And, and you know, he's one of them guys that I, I feel like on any given night, he could catch his opponent and, and put their lights out. I mean, you've seen it in, in his past fights. I mean, he, he finished Alex Hernandez, you know, uh, Nazareth uh, Hasparast, uh, Polo Reyes. I mean, the, the guy's good. He's legit. Uh, before the loss to Makachev, um, he, he had to go all the way back to, uh, what was it, March of 2019. He lost to Benil Dariush. So uh, this guy is only losing to the best of the best of the division. Uh, and yes, to answer your question, he can give Brad Riddell problems. Uh, Dober's strong. He, he definitely looks the part. Forget the fact that he looks like he's straight out of Zoolander because the guy can, <laughs> the guy can fight. So uh, it's going to be an interesting one. This is one of them fights that uh, could be fight of the night. Uh, and I could see either guy winning, but I, I am leaning towards Riddell in this one. All right, and I'm going to lead towards Riddell too. I, I've got him here, and I actually think the, the durability of both of them holds up, and I'll take him by decision. How do you see him winning this one? Mm, yeah, I could see it by decision. I mean, this is one of those fights. There's three or four fights on this card where I'm, I've been having a difficult time actually making a pick. I, I guess I'll lean... You know what? No, I'm not going to say decision. I think he's going to clip and finish him in the third round. All right, and that brings us to our next one, which is Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. Lauren Murphy, four straight wins. She most recently beat Lilia Shekarova back in October by rear naked choke. Calderwood, meanwhile, 2-1 and one in her last three. She's coming off a decision win over Jessica I back in January. So I feel like, for me, this fight is probably going to be decided in the clinch. Both of them land strikes in the clinch. Both of them turn the clinch into takedowns a little bit. Both of them... Uh, work decent knees and cage control whose clinch game here do you favor and is it going to be enough to win the decision right there yeah you and me seem to be on the same page so far tonight and i completely agree and i think the the better uh fighter here in the clinch is lauren murphy i i think she's a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and look you know she's she's up there in age for for a fighter right now mid-30s she's on a four-fight win streak She's been talking about how desperately she wants to, to, to get a title shot. If she loses to, to Joanne Calderwood, she's not going to get it. She's taking a significant step back. She has to win this fight. She has to feel the pressure going in here. Calderwood's already been at, at the top of the division. I'm not saying that she's past her prime by any means, but uh, Lauren Murphy's time is now, and I think she needs to capitalize, and I think that's exactly what happens in this fight. I think she wins the, the clinch battles uh, on the cage. This is not going to be the most appealing fight to watch. It's going to be a lot of dirty boxing, a lot of you know grinding wrestling work, uh, and I think she wins a, a unanimous decision here. I, you know, I, I actually agree with you entirely, and you, you said it right at the very beginning. The strength is, for me, the big difference maker here. The strength, for me, is why I like Lauren Murphy in this fight, because they both do have good trips in the, the clinch. They both do have good cage control. They both do throw knees and dirty boxing, and, and, you know, like, they're both good at those things at varying levels, but the strength difference for me is the difference here, because I, I think when it comes down to it, technique for technique, they're probably close enough. You, I'm going to give it to the stronger fighter. And like you said, I, I think this winds up being a grueling fight that, while maybe not the most appealing to watch, it is very technical in the clinch. And I'll take Murphy by decision as well. All right, and that brings us to our third fight of the first round, which is Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. This one fight had already happened. So Anders 2-1 and one in his last, well, we'll call it four because there is a no contest in there. Stewart 1-2 and two in his last four with, get this, a no contest. Both of them have recently fought each other, which was uh, the no contest. Eric Anders beat the living hell out of Darren Stewart in that fight, had him pretty much knocked out, and then landed an illegal knee. So my question to you, and we'll keep this one short, 
Do you think this fight goes any different, or does Anders just maul him again? I mean, look, there, there's a big aspect of fighting that a, a lot of people don't want to talk about, and that's the mental side of the game. And when you are in there with someone and they maul you and basically big brother you, which is what Anders did to Stewart the last time out, that has to be in his head. I, I don't care what anybody says. Um, that That's a huge red flag for me if I'm in Darren Stewart's corner going into this fight. Having said that, I mean, look, I like Darren Stewart. I, I think he's super technical. He's the more technical fighter here between the two Anders I just think is the bigger stronger guy he's a great athlete obviously former Alabama football national champion uh, this guy is 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 just a specimen and I feel like we're going to see um, a, a carry on to what happened in the first uh, fight and if, if Stewart is lucky he'll survive and and lose a decision but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Anders put him out here yeah, and I'm going to do the same exact thing. We're going to go three for three here on matching predictions. I'm going to take Anders by finish. I just think we're going to see more of the first fight. And this is a rematch I really didn't need to see. And, hey, we're going to get to see it anyway. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys. Well, as I promised you at the top of the show, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the features that you can get on the Fanatics MMA app. So not only do you get fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hand, but it's got the best scoring system on the planet. They score your pick'em contest using Vegas odds. Now, let me tell you why that's cool. Because a lot of times when you're playing these pick'em contests, the guy who just went super chalky up and down the card, that guy wins. And that's a little bit upsetting because you picked a cool underdog and you want to be rewarded for that. Well, they reward you for that. They show you your basically a fight IQ score because they give you what you would do against Vegas if you put $100 on every fight. It's a really cool concept, really awesome way to actually test your MMA knowledge. And there's so many other cool features, and I'll get to a couple of them a little bit later on. But we got to head on off to round number two. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Hakeem Dawudo versus Movsar Evloev. So Dawudo won five in a row since losing his debut to Danny Henry. His last win comes against Zabira Takugov back in September. Evloev, meanwhile, he's 4-0 in the UFC. He beat Sungwoo Choi and Hike Barzola, Mike Grundy, and Nick Lentz, which is a pretty impressive run there too. So uh, my question here is that Evloev, with the exception of Grundy and Lentz, was sort of able to bully his opponents, take him down, is Dawudo going to be on his feet enough that he can win this fight against Evloev, or do you see him winding up on his back for most of it? I mean, I think there's a significant chance that he winds up on his back. I mean, look, if, if you're a betting man and you want to win some money, um, uh, uh, Dawudo is the uh, the underdog here. It's, it's pretty close. Uh, I, I believe it's... Oh, what, what is he? It's like plus 125 or 150 or something like that. So you're not going to win a whole lot. But if someone's going to knock the other one out, I, I'm leaning towards Hakeem because he's shown that he can do that. He head kicked um, Hashinori uh, Hori uh, back in the day. Um, he's actually finished some some of his opponents in the UFC where Evolov has not. He's, he's grinding, winning guys by decision, and that's his course to victory here. Uh, and I think he's going to be able to utilize his wrestling uh, he looks like the bigger, stronger guy here, and Dawadu needs to do whatever he can uh, to sprawl, to keep this fight on the feet, uh, to to really switch up his stances, to keep Evlov guessing, uh, to maybe catch him and finish him, because that's his only way to win. If this is a clinch match, if this is a wrestling match, I don't think he stands much of a chance. I think Evlov's going to be able to to bully him and uh, en route to another UD win. 
Yeah, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to take Mold. Sorry, I blow that here by unanimous decision. I, I think you're right. I, I think there's a chance that he keeps the distance enough that he could land the big shot, but I, I don't like his chances to do that enough to pick him if, if you're asking me to, to, to log a pick here. So I'm going to take Abloev by decision as well. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Panny Keon Zod versus Alexis Davis. Keon Zod on a three-fight winning streak. She beat Jessica Rose Clark, Betch Kohea, and Sajara Eubanks all by decision, that last one coming in December. And Alexis Davis had a three-fight losing streak where she recently broke that by beating Sabina Mazzo. That fight awkwardly was at Bantamweight, even though she was fighting a, a flyweight opponent. She herself had gone to flyweight for a little while. She's back at Bantamweight now. My question for you is, is this kind of like the right fit for her? Should she be staying at, at Bantamweight? And, and what do you think of her at Bantamweight against somebody like Keon Zott? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% certain how to answer that question right now. I think this fight will give us the answers to, to exactly what you're talking about. I mean, look. Panny uh, Kianzad is one of the, the, the up-and-comers here. This is really interesting matchmaking by the UFC because you've got a veteran in Alexis Davis that, that's been there, that's done that. She's, she's one of them fighters that, you know, if you're an MMA fan, you know who she is. She's, she's fought the who's who uh, of women fighters out there. Uh, and, you know, Kianzad... She if she wants to keep her upwards trajectory here. This is a this is a must win for her. She can't lose to to an aging veteran. Um, and and I feel like you know Alexis Davis. Uh, again, I I hate throwing fighters under the bus saying that oh they're over the hill. I just interviewed one of her uh, teammates, uh, Kai Wu, who's headlining a card um, in Colorado uh, next month. A former Bellator fighter. He was talking her up, saying how how good she looks, and I'm sure she does. But you know I. I just feel like, you know, everyone talks about father time always gets you. And I feel like she's at that age right now where, you know, she, she, I don't expect her to be a contender. I do expect Panny uh, Kianzad to be a, a contender, someone that actually might make a run at, you know, a, a, a top, you know, fight here, maybe even a title down the line. So uh, this is going to show us what we need to about Panny uh, if she's legit or not. And, and I'm picking her to win. I think the veteran gamesmanship of, of Alexis Davis will carry her to a decision, but I think she's going to lose it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on this one, too. It, we're going to go pretty much match the whole way down, it sounds like. But I'll also say this, is while this will answer a lot of questions for me about Panny Kianzad, she answered a little bit of those, or a few of those, rather, against Sajara Eubanks. The fact that she could deal with the strength of Sajara Eubanks, keep the fight where she wanted it, even, you know, like, work a little bit of her own grappling there. I mean, if she could do that to the muscles that are Sajara Eubanks, I, I just have a hard time of picturing, like you said, Father Time kind of catching up on Alexis Davis. I have a tough time imagining her doing better than Sajara Eubanks did against Panny Kianzad. So, yeah, I like Kianzad here, and I'll, I'll take her by decision, too. I don't think she's going to get a finish. It would be her first in the UFC, and, you know, it would be a hell of a feather in a cap to make Alexis Davis the first mm. one. Um, and that brings us to our next fight, which is a real weird one because it's happening on, like, no time's notice, and that's Matt Frivola versus Terrence McKinney. So Frivola on a two, or was on a two-fight win streak, rather. That was broken by a loss to Armand Sakurian. That was back in January. Terrence McKinney, meanwhile, all he's done this year is win three fights. That's right. Already this year in 2021, he's won three fights, and he's been in the cage for less than two minutes. That's right, less than two minutes. Now, he's 10-3 making his UFC debut. Got a whole bunch of knockouts recently. If you go back on his record, he's got a whole bunch of submissions. He is stepping in here on very short notice, though. And what chance do you give him to fend off, I mean, a very tough you know, Matt Frivola, who 
you know, really likes to wrestle once in a while, do you give him a chance to keep his feet enough here to win this? You know, this is such an interesting fight here. Uh, I, I have this one circled as, as one to really keep your eyes on. You don't want to miss. You know what's interesting to me, too, is that I feel like Terrence McKinney is a more dangerous matchup for Matt Frivola than Camacho was. So, you know, not good luck for Frivola as far as stylistically. Terrence McKinney is super athletic. And as you know, anybody that gets a short notice opportunity and gets a contract in the UFC, they're riding high. Their confidence is through the roof. They're coming in there with nothing to lose. And when you have that kind of mindset, I mean, we've seen, you know, what it's done. Remember Kevin Kroom? I mean, look what he did. He came in. He was a significant underdog and wham. uh, KO's his opponent in in the first round um, and and really made a name for himself. I wouldn't be surprised to see McKinney do the same thing. But, you know, Matt Vola is such a veteran. He's so he's he's that New York tough. You know, I I, I just interviewed him as, as well. And the, the guy is, is on cloud, right, cloud nine right now with his confidence. Uh, it's, it's as good as it's ever been, and, and he's dialed in for this fight. But, you know, this is an interesting change-up last minute. I, I hope Camacho's okay from that, that car accident. Uh, but this could be a significant opportunity for Terrence McKinney to step in here and, and make a huge splash in the UFC. Um, I, I'm not leaning towards him getting it done. I, I will uh, go with Frivola, the favorite here. But I will say this, I wouldn't be surprised to see McKinney shock a a lot of people and get the upset win. Yeah, and so, first of all, I'm glad that you mentioned Frank Camacho. All of our thoughts and prayers with with Frank Camacho, an an absolutely wonderful guy, and uh, it's sad to see him have to pull out. But you're right, this is a huge change in opponent form with Frank Camacho being a guy who's a little bit more of a slugger and a little bit less technical than Terrence McKinney. It's definitely still a striker that he's facing, but a very different kind and I know you're taking Frivola. I'm actually going to differ with you on this one. Finally, I'm going to take McKinney, the short notice replacement. I think he's got dynamite in those hands, and I think it's going to clip Matt Frivola at some point in time. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. But regardless, this is going to be an absolutely fun fight to watch. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, well, I told you about the scoring system last commercial break. Hopefully, you've already downloaded Fanatics MMA, but let me tell you something. They've also got this really awesome group function. The group function is cool for me because during these pandemic times, you weren't able to get around with your friends and watch the fights like maybe you used to. The Fanatics MMA app puts that in the palm of your hand. Not only can you see your friends' picks, can you look at that you're doing better than them, but you can also chat with them. It's the coolest way to possibly do it and you want to check your picks against me each and every week you can do that by going into our top turtle mma twitter bio or the top turtle mma instagram bio just click that link and right at the very top you will see play with us on fanatics mma and you can play with me and some of the co-hosts from this very show there each and every event so head on over there now download the fanatics mma app you won't regret it And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Steven Ocho Peterson versus Chase Hooper. Peterson had lost two straight when he knocked out Martin Bravo with a spinning back fist. Granted, that was back in September of 2019, so he has been out for quite a while. Hooper, meanwhile, 2-1 and one in the UFC. He's coming off a heel hook win over Slippery Pete Barrett. And that happened in December. So, 
I'm going to be real honest. It seems like Hooper does not have the hands to hang with, with Steven Peterson. And I could be wrong about that, but it seems like he doesn't. And my, so my question just is, does this fight ever to get to chase Hooper's realm? Or is he destined to kind of lose the same fight as he did against Alex Caceres? That's kind of where I'm leaning here. I, I feel like this is Steven Peterson's fight to lose. And shout out to my boy Ocho. He's got the best Superman tattoo in the UFC. Uh, I'll do respect to, to Super Ryan Span there. But, you know, I, I talked to, to Ocho fairly recently uh, leading up to this fight. And, you know, he is a significantly healthier fighter than he's been in a very long time. He he told me that he, he's been having, you know, eye issues for a long time. And, and he got his, his vision fixed um, you know, he's he, he can see clearer. Uh, he's had some injuries that are helping now. He feels 100 percent training down there at Fortis MMA with all those monsters. And, you know, we haven't seen him in the inside the octagon since September of 2019 when he scored that that crazy spinning backfist over Martin Bravo. So this is a guy, a veteran guy that's hungry, that is finally back in the, the octagon. You know, he's been clamoring for a fight. And here it is against a young kid who has shown a lot of promise, but I just feel like Steven Peterson is going to be able to kind of big brother Chase Hooper in this fight and, and dictate where this fight goes. I, I don't expect Peterson uh, to, to be getting taken down. And if they do get any scrambles on the ground, um, you know, Peterson's wrestling and jujitsu is, is top notch. So I, I feel like, you know, this is his fight to lose. Um, he could get a finish. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a late stoppage here, but you know, um, I'm going to say Peterson by uh, UD uh, to get the win. I'm going to say Peterson too. And I think you're hundred percent right. I, I think this is a very tough fight for, for Chase Hooper. You mentioned Fortis MMA, tons of not just killers, but killers who can take you down too, right? Like Jeff, he, he this is a guy who's training with, with Jeff Neal and, and Diego Fajeda and like, uh, you know, guys like that who, who are beasts on the ground, I don't think he's going to have problems with Chase Hooper taking him down. I don't think he's going to have problems with the hand. And I'm actually going to take the late finish, like you kind of hinted. I'm going to say late finish here for Steven Peterson. And that brings us to another fight, which is, for me, one of the biggest sleeper fights of the night. And that's far as Zayim versus Luigi Vendramini. Zayim lost his debut to Don Madge. He rebounded with a decision win over Jamie Malarkey back in October. Vendramini, same thing. Lost his debut, which was a short-notice fight to Eliza Zaleski dos Santos. He came back and knocked out Justin Ayari. Again, that fight was in October. So uh, my, my question here is that if this stays on the feet, which I think both guys kind of wanted to stay on the feet, if this stays on the feet, who's striking in this fight do you like better? You know, I, I, I got to be honest. I don't know as much about these two as, as obviously the, the other guys on the card. But, you know, I, I really feel like Luigi uh, Vendramini is someone that um, I think the UFC is is high on. And based on what he did on uh, against Jessen uh, Ayari, um, that that was highly, highly impressive. Obviously, the loss to Zaleski, um, you know, things happen when you get inside of the, the UFC octagon. But um, I, I'm leaning more towards uh, Vendramini here based on what I've seen. But uh, ZM, you know, this is a guy who, you know, and his nickname is, is the Smile Killer. So, you know, m maybe he's going to take the smile right off of Luigi's face come fight night. I just haven't seen enough. Um, from Farez uh, to pick against Luigi. So uh, I, I'm leaning Vendramini this one. What about you? 
I'm leaning Vedramini too, and and I think you know I'm glad you mentioned that that Zaleski Dos Santos match and and that stuff happens right. Like I think people got down on him after that fight because you know he does lose by flying knee knockout and like that that's shit happening in the UFC right. Like that that's the the, the actual statement of that. But he also took Zaleski Santos's back for like a minute and a half in that fight. He also. I mean, was going up a weight class. He also took the fight on short notice. Like, I feel like we can excuse a lot of that. And then to go out and, like you said, do what he did to Jessen Ayari. I think the UFC believes in him, too, which is why we see him on this card that has, like, so many killers on it and so many exciting guys. I think he's going to win this fight. And I'll also say this. If for some reason this fight decides not to be a striking match, I think the grappling heavily favors Vendramini. So I'm also going to take Vendramini here. I'll take him by submission. I'll, I'll say after he tags him, he subs him too. Uh, and that brings us to our last fight, which are a couple of very big boys, and that's Carlos Felipe versus Jake Collier. Felipe on a two-fight winning streak with decisions over Jorgen DeCastro and Justin Taffa. Collier, meanwhile, moved to heavyweight in 2020. After being as low as middleweight in the UFC, he now maxes out the heavyweight limit at like 265. After coming to heavyweight, he lost to Tom Aspinall in his debut. He beat Jean Volante in his second fight. So I guess my question here is that Felipe, his last two wins are both against fighters who can be a little passive on the feet, right? Jorgen DeCastro and Justin Taffa mostly looking for counters. Do you feel like he needs to bring the fight a little bit more or can he win that same kind of fight here against Jake Collier? I think he can. I, I, I think he can win that same kind of fight. Look, I'm going to be totally uh, transparent and honest here. I'm, I'm fairly close with Jorgen DeCastro. I, I know him pretty well. He's from my area. I've been interviewing him for, for years, uh, and, and I'm a big fan of his. So, you know, to, to win a unanimous decision over DeCastro, uh, I feel like that's a nice feather in uh, Carlos's cap. Uh, and, and then, you know, Justin Taffa, that's, that's someone that, you know, you, you can't, dismiss either uh, th- those are two i think quality wins and and jake collier you know i, I mean look <laughs> john volante I-, I we've seen him look good in the past but i mean i don't know how i feel about him at this stage of his career so beating john volante <laughs> you know that that's that's that, i'm not quite sure how i feel about that so i really haven't seen enough from collier uh, to, to lean towards him. I have seen some things from Felipe that uh, I'm impressed by. So I, I'm going with uh, that big fella, Carlos Felipe, to get the, the job done here in this heavyweight matchup. And they are definitely big fellas. Now, I, I will say, I'm going to go different with you on this one. I am going to take Jake Collier. I do agree that a win over Jorgen DeCastro, also being a Massachusetts guy, it's always looked like a good win to me, but I also always thought that if Jorgen DeCastro brought that fight to him, I think Jorgen DeCastro would have sparked him. Um, and he was just like a little bit back-footed looking for that counter instead. And I think that Jake Collier brings that kind of fight. I think he's going to get in Carlos Felipe's face in a way that neither DeCastro or Tafa did. And I don't know that it's going to be a problem because, again, I haven't seen enough of that fight in Carlos Felipe. And I haven't seen... Jake Collier bring that kind of fight enough, especially just because we haven't seen enough of this Jake Collier, because it is a very different Jake Collier than before. But I think I think enough of of that fight style that I think it's going to do him well. So I'm going to take Jake Collier here on a stab in the dark, but this is certainly one of the ones I'm the least confident of uh, on the whole card. And that's going to do it for the end of our very last round. We gave you nine fights. This card is absolutely loaded. And that's not even talking about the main card, which we, of course, don't do here on the Prelim Primer. 
Uh, but we hope you guys enjoyed all nine of these fights. We gave it to you in just a little bit under half an hour. Uh, I want to once again thank my co-host. You can catch him on his YouTube channel, Ryan Jarrell Sports, as well as many other outlets. Of course, you can follow him at Son of Jarrell 24 on Twitter. Ryan, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, bud. 